Fish's story and Fish himself seem to be like the flesh and blood incarnation of all of these kinds of fairy tale monsters that you, uh, you know, are so fascinated and terrified and titillated by when you're a child. You know, the uh, again the the harm. You know, it's like the witch in Hansel and Gretel or something. You know, the seemingly harmless old person who offers you candy and then turns out to be a cannibal. So there's something, you know, there's something very, very fascinating when you see one of these mythic monsters sort of step off the pages of the Grimm brothers and inhabit the real world. people to week two of spooky season welcome to the spookies podcast i am your halloween queen stephanie and i'm your co-host michael the sick son of a bitch responsible for bringing you tonight's heartwarming story so all of you guys keep sending us emails asking to talk about serial killers you keep doing it over and over and over you're begging us you're screaming at us and since i'm an asshole i picked the most revolting and disgusting serial killer i could find you wanted the worst you got the worst he did, guys. Tonight's case is batshit. I, I told someone what tonight's case was about, and she was like, oh, I'm not listening to that. <laughs> I think she thinks I'm a sick fuck. I mean, <laughs> she's not wrong. I'm more of a weirdo than a sicko. I'm more of a Chris Knowles type than a, like those women who are into murder murder shows, or what What do we call that? <laughs> what do they call that? I, don't, I know. don't know. The women who write serial killers and they're all in love with them? The yeah. chicks who are into Chris L- Watts? Like Kathy Griffin? She doesn't write to Chris Watts. No, no, but she wrote to uh, the Night Stalker. There, fucking there's gross. an episode of Howard Stern back from the 90s. She talks about this. She was into it. What the fuck, man? Yeah, your idol. Your, your awful idol. She's not idol. my idol. I think she's funny. I'm more of a weirdo than a sicko, Stephanie. More into UFOs or ghosts or cryptozoology or conspiracies and serial killers. Now, I say conspiracy and instantly people are like, oh, he's like fucking crazy. We said we would take you to dark places with this podcast. And that's exactly what we're going to do tonight. So, Steph, I hear you are a big fan of fairy tales. Big time. I love me some fairy tales. How about you tell our listeners about the legend of the Pied Piper? All right. In 1284, a mysterious rat catcher lured over a hundred children from a village in Germany. This village was facing a rat infestation, and a piper, dressed in a coat of many colors, bright cloth, appeared. He promised the villagers to get rid of the rats in return for a payment, to which the townspeople agreed. The hypnotic music he played on his pipe attracted all the town's rats towards him, after which he led the entranced animals to the Wesser River nearby, where they all dove in and drowned. Although the piper got rid of the rats by leading them away with his music, the people of the village reneged on their promise. The piper left enraged, vowing revenge. On July 26th of that same year, the piper returned and led the children away. Not one of those 130 children were ever seen or heard from again. Three children were left behind. One was physically disabled, another was deaf, and the third was blind. 
these impairments likely saved their lives. While many assume the Pied Piper is simply a myth, historical evidence suggests that he is actually based on some collection of real events that occurred in 1284 CE. While many assume the Pied Piper is simply a myth, historical evidence suggests that he is actually based on some collection of real events that occurred in 1284 CE. Since the Pied Piper probably wasn't a rat catcher, pedophilia might make a more plausible motive. Because ghouls who prey on children have existed throughout human history. Now, perhaps the horrific nature of the children's disappearance is the reason why there are few details on what actually happened. It is theorized the story of the Pied Piper was one of the first historical accounts of child sexual predation. Like Michael Jackson, he lured children to their doom with music. Hee hee hee! Gross. The man we are talking about tonight is an even worse iteration of the Pied Piper. Like a creature from a gothic horror film, a truly deranged and demented fiend. Are you talking about my ex? Nah, this monster in tonight's case has a full head of hair. (laughs) Her ex was going bald, guys. (laughs) That motherfucker. The man, perhaps creature, we are talking about tonight has gone by many names. The Brooklyn Vampire, the Werewolf of Westeria, the Moon Maniac, and the Boogeyman. I believe he's actually where the name Boogeyman comes from, but he's most notably known as the Gray Man. Tonight, we are talking about Albert Fish. And no, this isn't some horrible story about sushi. It's a horrible story about a depraved old man who liked to molest and eat innocent children. He saw children as food. You wanted the darkness, you got it. Every day is Halloween on this podcast. I just want to note there's a trigger warning. We are about to talk about some dark and disturbing subject matter, including sexual violence against children. So if this subject is too much, click off now. Yeah, we don't. That's okay. It's okay. Yeah, we're not here it, to judge. It's, it's dark, and I think it's hard to get through, and I'm reading it. So I this is the hardest case I've researched yet. Right. Chris Watts was tough. Yeah. This is tougher. Yeah, that was, that was pretty bad. This is brutal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how would you describe the subject of tonight's case, Stephanie? I mean, I think it's a case about trauma and the failure of adults and society to save or protect the most vulnerable amongst us. For me, this is this case is a whole other level of sickening. Um, I believe it says something about how trauma warps a human being. Mm-hmm. And with that, let's discuss Albert Fish. This guy. This fucking guy was a real jerk. So tonight's story is a shit show, literally. The most fucked up story of all time. Albert Fish was born in Washington, D.C. on May 19, 1870 to Randall and Ellen Fish. Albert's father was American of English ancestry and his mother was Scots-Irish American. His father was 43 years older than his mother and 75 years old at the time of Albert's birth. He came from an upper crust prestigious New York family. Cannibal Grandpa was born with a grandfather for a dad things are already off to a great start. Mm -hmm. Fish was the youngest child and had three living siblings, Walter, Annie, and Edwin. As a child, Fish was plagued by mental illness. 
as was a number of his family members. Not only was his brother condemned to a lunatic asylum, and yes, this was back when asylums were not only bad, but had the poor taste in names to go with them. Albert's uncle had been diagnosed with mania, and his sister was diagnosed with a mental affliction. Finally, his mother routinely experienced auditory and visual hallucinations. I have strong suspicions that this family was engaging in incest. That would explain all the mental disorders. I mean, it's, it's upper crust. Kind of says it in the name when you marry your first cousins. You know? Yeah. Can't lose any of that family money to the poors. Albert was a bedwetter until his late teens. His father constantly mocked and ridiculed him as a child. He called his son Stick in the Mud, a nickname young Albert hated. He should have named him Stick Up the Ass. So mean. It's gross. His father was once a riverboat captain, but by 1870, he was a fertilizer manufacturer. Albert's father died of a heart attack when he was only five years old. This is bad news for his mother. He left her widowed, and she apparently suffered from schizophrenia. She also didn't have the financial or mental resources to care for young Albert and his three siblings alone. She left them at a state orphanage. It was there that Albert would become obsessed with sadism. He was frequently whipped and beaten at the orphanage and eventually discovered that he enjoyed physical pain. Didn't they read Bible verses to him? Yeah, I'm getting to that. Oh, sorry. He was raped repeatedly, as were the other boys. Back in those days, nobody cared. It was never investigated. I guess it was just normal to have your Catholicism and rape. You just didn't speak of such things. Unspeakable things that no child should ever have to endure. It was allowed to happen. What went on at the orphanage was a true tale of war. The workers made the boys strip down naked and were beaten in front of each other as a form of humiliation. One of the workers read Bible passages about sexual perversions as the boys were savagely abused and tortured. The vicious beatings would often give Albert erections, for which the other orphans teased him. How Albert coped with this and processed this trauma permanently warped his psyche. He was tortured there for four long, agonizing years. Albert later said that that place ruined his mind. Of his time at St. John's Orphanage, yeah, what a nice name for a nice place. Fish remarked, I was there till I was nearly nine, and that's where I got started wrong. We were unmercifully whipped. I saw boys doing many things they should not have never done. After four years, his mother got her shit together, maintaining a steady job, hooray, working for the government. She then took all of her children out of the orphanage. Unfortunately, the damage had already been done. When he was 11 years old, Albert fell from a cherry tree and suffered a severe concussion. He developed terrible headaches and dizzy spells. He also developed a stutter which only caused him to be more bullied and isolated from society even more. So from a very young age, his brain is not developing correctly. It's basically scrambled. Most likely the moral centers of his brain were destroyed by the head injury. We now know this is CTE and other, Mm -hmm. you know, brain trauma. Albert feels like uh, the inspiration for the Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie. But way worse. Yeah. So much worse. Taken to a heightened level. Of horrible awfulness. Not the Joker movie. I mean the actual person, Albert Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) In case I wasn't clear. So in 1882, at age 12, Albert began a relationship with the telegraph boy. The teen introduced Fish to disturbing paraphilias, sexual perversions involving drinking urine and eating feces. Certainly an acquired taste. Mm. I bet Stephanie would like Henry Cavill to piss on her. No, no. <laughs> you know what? That would just be, that would ruin everything for me. Oh. Why you got Why you got to put that image in my, my head? <laughs> why you got to ruin Henry Cavill like that? 
trying to ruin my man over here. I'm an ass. That's mean. I am mean. He's Superman, goddammit. He doesn't piss and shit on people. I'm mean. <laughs> people know this. So this type of deviant behavior can sometimes be found with people suffering from the most severe forms of schizophrenia. So I'm not Key- talking about all the schizophrenics, the most severe. Keyword here, wokes, severe. Severe, right. It is also possible that Albert suffered from a psychiatric disorder called pica, which is characterized by the craving for non-food objects. Urine, feces, Jimmy John's. Yeah, fuck that guy. <laughs> fuck the, fuck Some the would John's say guy. Arby's, but I like Arby's. Arby's is good. I don't yeah. know why people say it's that. It's probably like, you know, human flesh, but I still like it. <laughs> no. Albert started spending his weekends at bathhouses so he could watch men and young boys undress and indulge in his sexual fantasies of sadism and torture. As far as we know, Albert is just having demented daydreams at this point. At 17, Albert started working as a painter. When he was 20, he moved to New York City where he made a living as a male prostitute. But in his free time, he raped children as young as six years old, which is, yeah. Mm. Mm. No. Yeah. In 1898, a bout of forced normalcy arrived when Fish's mother arranged a marriage for him to a woman named Anna Mary Hoffman. He and his wife conceived six children. By all accounts, he never harmed his own children and was especially close with his daughters. Yet Albert could not contain the sick desires hidden deep within his tormented soul. In 1903, he was arrested for grand larceny, convicted, and incarcerated at the infamous Sing Sing prison where he had repeated sexual relations with other men. He was released after a few years. I mean, that's not the weirdest. It is back then. Well, but if you think about it, it's not the weirdest. Sodomy's gross. Yeah, but it's not the weirdest when you, sh- you know, they. this happens in all prisons where you, like, people are still animals and they still have needs. But he's a married man. That doesn't mean anything. He's married to a woman, and that's where it's weird at this time period. But how long was he? Oh, but yeah, but married men fuck dudes all the time. And then they go back to in their straight lives. In 1903, this was not cool, okay? Yeah, but even on the download, they're still doing it. I know, and I, I know all about that stuff. But I'm just saying, at this time, that was weird. I don't know if it's that weird. It's very weird. I mean, I know I know what you're saying. That Culturally, society, it is not acceptable at all. Yeah, I know that it's still illegal to be gay at this time. I'm not saying that. I just know that, like... When people are forced to He was prisons. a degenerate by the standards of this. That's but true, he, but by 1903, he'd already been doing terrible things. Yeah. I digress. He later recounted an incident in which a male lover took him to a waxworks museum where Fish was fascinated by a bisection of a penis. After that, he became obsessed with sexual mutilation and castration. I wonder what happens if you take Woody Allen to a museum. Nothing good. <laughs> Nothing good. After this, he began visiting brothels, where he demanded to be whipped and beaten by the sex workers. He also expected his wife to participate in his perverted fantasy. And that's where it's fucking weird. I actually think that's weirder than prison sex. But I do that. (laughs) Shut up. Albert began a sexual relationship with a 19-year-old mentally disabled boy named Thomas Keaton. After two weeks, Fish took Keaton to an old farmhouse, as he called it, where he tied up and began torturing young boy. The torture lasted for over a week. He eventually tried to castrate the young man by cutting off half of his penis. I shall never forget his screams or the look he gave me, Fish later recalled. Although he initially planned to kill Keaton, he tended to the wound before imparting the team with a final kiss and farewell. Took first train I could get back home, he said. Never heard what became of him or tried to find out. It makes you wonder why he let him go. Was he just afraid of getting caught or... Was there something inside of him that 
maybe the boy reminded him of himself. Yeah. He did. He also gave him money. I forgot to mention that. But yeah, he gave he gave him like $10 or something, which back then was a pretty bit of money. Was was this person also mentally handicapped? Yes. As well. Yes. Yes. He was he was mentally slow, we would yeah. say. Poor Keaton. But that's what's horrific about this. He was mentally disabled and being And sexual. apparently doesn't know how to castrate people. I'm not saying he should be doing it right. I'm just saying He's doing it wrong. Cutting off half a penis is not... It's like giving a person a lobotomy wrong. Oh, God. By 1917, his wife Anna had had enough. I mean, who wouldn't? She had been having an affair with a handyman who had been living with the family. While Albert was at work, his wife left with her lover and took all the possessions and furniture. Albert came home to find the house cleared out. She had left him to take care of the couple's six kids. Now, she fucking left her kids there, though. I'm just going to say she is a shitty mother for leaving her children alone with this lunatic. Can you imagine being left alone with this guy as your dad? I mean, your dad is a bipolar douche canoe, <laughs> but this guy is on a whole other level. I mean, the only thing I can think of is that maybe she's thinking that, you know, the whole thing's bad. The whole marriage, the children, all of that. I'm not saying she's okay. it's right. I'm not I'm not I'm, even excusing it. I'm all it. on the fuck this bitch train. Yeah, but I want to understand it. Like, how do you, how does somebody she do that? She is not a good person. She is not a good mother and she is not a good person. And I will, that is the hill I will fucking die on. <laughs> I just don't know why people can leave their kids. I'll never understand that part. Following this rejection, Fish began to hear voices. And I wonder if how long he'd been hearing these voices. Anyway, this is when we first hear about it in the records. So, following this rejection, Fish began to hear voices. For example, he once wrapped himself up in a carpet, telling his daughter that he was following the instructions of John the Apostle. Suffering from a severe psychosis, Fish claimed God was commanding him to castrate and murder young children. That's terrifying. To his daughter, he said, says this. To me, there is nothing scarier than someone who kills in the name of religion. And in this case, he's... Killing children because God is telling him to, or mm-hmm. going to castrate or mutilate them. Just think about that for a second. Think about how fucked up that is. Think about how fucked up you have to be to have that kind of level of psychosis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To me, this says right here, he is mentally ill, but we'll get into that later. So Albert Fish is what is known as a visionary serial killer. A psychopath who feels compelled to murder at the behest of entities such as the devil or God. Both God-mandated and demon-mandated serial killers are fairly common and well-documented. Think Son of Sam or the diabolical Tomas de Torquemada during the Spanish Inquisition. That fucker. The men behind the Spanish Inquisition and the witch trials in Europe and North America, all mass murderers with components of the visionary serial killer classification. Would Jim Jones be in that? Yeah, he's kind of a, he's more of a narcissistic lunatic um we may we may do a pod on that eventually uh sorry i was just thinking islamic jihadists abortion clinic bombers Mm -hmm. ritual violence it's all the same to me fish believes sacrificing children would be penance for his own sins and angels would prevent him from doing it if god did not approve he came to associate cannibalism with communion and this this is really interesting to me because Vampirism, which is a form of cannibalism, has long been seen as a perversion of Catholic traditions and rituals. And there's even some idea that where the, uh, the legend of vampires comes from Catholicism. Yeah, the idea, you know, we just watched uh, Midnight Mass. Yes. Which has something very similar to this. And we're not gonna I don't spoil. want to ruin it for anybody. Yeah. It's a really good show. 
Um, you know, and they were doing kind of a form of aversion ther- therapy. Yeah. On fish. Yeah. So I think this leads into it because they're they're repeating scriptures. Why do they think like the children are automatically gay or something? I don't know if it had anything to do with that. They were just trying to just make torturing. They them? were acting like they were delinquents, but it <sighs> was a, it was clearly a form of abuse. But they were also raping them. Yeah. So that's not conversion. That's they're they're the ones doing the hmm. and uh, but they were raping them. So no, it's more like they're being like Catholic priest. At an orphanage. God, F- fucking kids. Oh, that's so bad. And fuck the Catholic Church. <laughs> and fuck all these orphanages that were doing it, because apparently it was a lot. It, it also, ha- this happened to Charles Manson at a later time. Yeah, it's not isolated. That's what's fucked up it's, about it's this. It's what fucked him up. Well, that and the CIA, but mm-hmm. anyway, continue. <laughs> so one of Fish's sons, Albert Fish Jr., recounted the story of one evening where his father ruined a family outing in upstate New York during his 1935 testimony. In 1922... Fish, suffering from hallucinations and religious psychosis, climbed the hills of Westchester, stripped naked, and threw his fist to the sky and continually screamed, I am Christ, beneath a full moon. I would expect no less from a guy that eats his own shit. (laughs) Around this time, Fish began a fascination with cannibalism. Like sexual mutilation, cannibalism became an an obsession of Albert Fish's. He would often prepare meals made of raw meat for his family in an attempt to suppress his own desires for human flesh. And that, that Did he is... make the kids eat the raw Yeah, food? he prepared the meals made of raw oh, meat. Oh, God. Fish tortured, mutilated, and murdered young children with what he called his instruments of hell, a meat cleaver, a butcher knife, and a small handsaw. He had a collection of self-torture devices, including nail-studded paddles, which is what he would beat himself bloody to while masturbating. So it's like that um, self-flagellation. Yeah, he's doing that. It's literally what he's doing. But it's sexual. God. He also enjoyed inserting needles, pins, and nails into his groin, rectum, and urethra. I can't even imagine that, you guys. I can't. You're putting pins and nails and needles up places that shouldn't be going. It shouldn't be going any of these places. I've had a catheter inserted into me, and it was hell on yeah, earth. Yeah, Ooh, that just makes my skin crawl. At first, he would drive them in and pull them out again. My God. But eventually, he started driving them in so far that he couldn't get them back out. An x-ray taken after his eventual arrest showed 29 sharp objects stuck in his pelvis. And this is why we're talking about this case, because this right here is to me, this is what drew me to this case, is how fucked up this is that's real because like, that's i mean that's so not normal you know out of all the fucking not normal things this guy does the way he hurts himself is really not normal the damage he does to himself and to you're going to see to others it's there's a similar it's not just like he's killing people he's also hurting himself yeah he's it's like he's re-traumatizing he's himself inflicting pain he's like a clive barker character he's yeah. doing this like mutilation to himself i mean it's not only fucked up it's kind of sad that someone so what are your c- thoughts on this, about this? You're saying that he's re-traumatizing himself? Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's that's what's sad about it, because it's like he's just reliving what they did to him as a child before he's really fully mentally formed. Now, supposedly, his children walked in on him committing this or doing some of these acts, his self-harm, and he asked them and their friends to help him do it. And he did this over and over again. So they're like, yeah, okay, whatever, Dad. Just... Yeah, it becomes like a habit with them. I, it didn't, apparently, they didn't develop They're any... not warped? They're not warped by this. 
as far as we know, they were never, they thought it was weird, but it was just normal to them because it's like, this is what dad does. Because he's crazy and we, this is the they're only They're aware we that know. he's a weirdo doing yeah. weird sexual things. Because other people's parents aren't doing this shit. Yeah. I'm sure they're finding out, hey, does your dad but they, do these things to They're yourself? not like afraid of him or anything. They just think it's kind of weird. It's weird. It's his thing though. It's his thing that he does. Right. Well, like, that was kind of an accepted thing in the late Victorian era, although this would be the early 20th century. Where are we at now? Edwardian? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that it was okay to be eccentric. There were eccentrics, and it was like, Well, this is, this, is, this is like something out of the medieval ages. <laughs> it's, it's beyond that. It gets so fucking weird. His sons asked him what the hell he was doing when he was doing this, and uh, he told them he got a message from Jesus Christ telling him to jam nails into his rectum and penis. I'm getting that message right now. <laughs> Another truly batshit thing Fish did for fun was uh, soak a link of cotton in alcohol, shove it up into his ass, and light it on fire. How? <laughs> like That's how I'm wondering. How How do you even... How? how uh, oh, the mind boggles. He, he's basically a Yankee candle at this point. Do, do you know if Bottle Rockets existed back then stephanie because i was wondering <laughs> if he ever lit one of those up and shoved them up into his poop shoot it's like if john wayne gacy was johnny knoxville that's basically the albert you know, uh... fish story. one of the things uh that i've learned about sexual homicide in researching this case is that both necrophilia and cannibalism are a lot more common than the police or the media have led the public to believe it's not a conscious conspiracy per se they simply do not mention it most of the time because it's unspeakable or unseemly. Yet another example of how authority figures subtly manipulate the flow of information in our society. You know, I've always thought that when I would read about these stories growing up or you'd hear about these killers or, you know, because there was that doctor who, he was a physician, right, at, at a tuberculosis clinic and there was this young girl, I think it was in Florida. She was so beautiful and she divided... Dr. Von Kosel. Yes, and he, she dies of tuberculosis and he absconds with her body... And keeps it for, like, what, 15 years, 13 years or something, and has sex with it. He goes and visits her grave, and this is a tangent, but he goes and visits her grave day by day, and then people notice him there, and then eventually he stops going, and it's because he's dug her up. Yeah, he's dug her up, and he takes her home, and I think the the parents... They got the body back. Eventually. But, but then he, when he was dead, or they found him dead, he was laying next to a doll he had made that looked just like her, which is really creepy. I thought she, her, her body had been made to look like a doll. because she, she It was, but they took it back. And then oh. at the end. Oh. Yeah. I didn't he, know that he part. He had inserted a vaginal tube. Yeah, he had, he had put like glass tubes and other things. So he could have sex with this. Because she's rotting. Yeah, I mean, it's a corpse. It's a corpse and it's rotting. So I always, when I remember hearing this, I, I, I'm a weirdo because I read it in a book as a child um, of ghost stories and stuff. And this fucking story was in there. So yeah, I've always thought that that it was a lot more common than people would say because we always hear about serial killers revisiting their victims or yeah, wanting to relive know, the acts. I don't know quite. Uh, I mean, I think Fish engaged in some necrophilia, but it's it's more about the cannibalism with him and the pain. Yeah. And the weird thing is that Albert and his kids keep getting evicted wherever they went. Yep. Not because he couldn't pay the rent, but because he was a terrible fucking tenant. And when they would kick him out, uh, he would leave a nice little surprise for his landlords. He would smear their property with feces. He would leave piles of shit on the floor. <laughs> like smear it on the walls. <laughs> and in the pile, like I'll leave a pile in the middle of the room, right? <laughs> God. Surprise, motherfuckers! <laughs> so gross, but also fuck landlords. 
<laughs> All landlords are slumlords. I hate landlords, so I do find this amusing, even though it's disgusting, you know? But that's me. I'm an asshole, so. But so are they. I mean, I have yet to meet a landlord who isn't a fucking slumlord, so, you know, prove me wrong if you can. I can't, and the motherfuckers listening to this can't, so. <laughs> Washington, D.C., 1919. Fish viciously stabbed an intellectually disabled boy in Georgetown, Washington, D.C. Fish mostly preyed on children who were either mentally handicapped or homeless African-American kids as his victims. Explaining later, he assumed these people would not be missed. He knew the police were less likely to care about their murders of the poor, the disabled, or non-whites. Yep. So that shows a level of intelligence. He was clearly, he clearly was aware of the class and racial bias of law enforcement, weaponizing it to his insidious advantage. Funny how everything changes and yet some things stay the same. Mm -hmm. Staten Island, July 11th, 1294. Fish found eight-year-old Beatrice Keel playing alone on her parents' farm in Staten Island. He offered her money to come and help him look for flowers. She was about to leave the farm when her mother chased Fish away. That's a good mom. Fish left, but returned later to the Keel's barn, where he tried to sleep, but was discovered by Beatrice's father and forced to leave. Man, he's lucky he didn't get fucking shot. Stanton Island, New York, July 14th, 1924. Nine-year-old Francis McDonald was reported missing by his parents. He failed to return home after playing catch with some neighborhood friends at a park. His friends claimed they saw a frail, elderly-looking, gray-haired man lure Francis into the woods. A search party was organized, and his body was found, hanging by a tree, in a wooded area near his home. He had been sexually assaulted, then strangled with his suspenders. According to an autopsy, he was strangled so tight that suspenders were embedded into his flesh. McDonald had also suffered extensive lacerations to his legs and abdomen, and his left hamstring had been almost entirely stripped of flesh. Fish initially denied responsibility for this murder, although he later stated that he intended to castrate the boy but fled when he heard someone approaching the area. What is his deal with the fucking castrations, He's man? He's hearing it from God. Jesus Christ. You know, there's a saying about God, you know, when you talk to God, it's prayer. When God talks to you, <laughs> it's schizophrenia. Oh, God. Mm, so this is where Fish earns the nickname, the Gray Man. And I think that's kind of the creepiest nickname. Sounds like a creepypasta character, the Gray Man, oh, the yeah. Slender Man. It's creepy. Because the victim's mother had seen a frail, elderly, gray-haired man wandering around the neighborhood muttering to himself. She said he was gray in both appearance and demeanor. She's right. So how would you how would you describe to our listeners, Stephanie? You've seen pictures of Albert. What, what does he look like? 
he has wide set, very round, large eyes. They are not present. They are He's got a thousand staring. yard stare. Yeah, they're staring off into space. He does not look well. He looks sad and he looks like he's suffering, but he doesn't automatically make you think this guy is a killer. Because yeah. you just, you don't get There's the a sense. lot of old men that look like him. Yeah, he looks more, because the sadness that's emanating frail, from him. He looks like there's something sick. Yeah, he sickly. looks like, like he's kind of sickly and he looks like he's not all there mentally. Like he, he's drained of life. Yeah, but more than anything, he looks sad. And he does look gray, not just because the pictures are gray, but like there's something drained from his soul. He doesn't have a lot of color in his, in his skin. His eyes are pale, too. They're mm-hmm. very pale. So he has these light-colored eyes, and he just... Yeah, so you know there's something not right about him, but you don't automatically think... This guy's a serial killer. Serial killer of, of children. And then he eats children. And cannibal. Like, you, you wouldn't look at this picture and go, yeah, that, that guy... I would never know this. That guy's the murderer. Yeah, so there's a couple photos he looks kind of mean, but I, I mean, I've seen other people look far scarier. Yeah. In, in person. He looks sick, mostly. Dead to the world. Yeah. Okay, so this is, guys... Okay, we're going to get on... This is This is rough. February 11th, 1927, Brooklyn, New York. Billy Gaffney was a four-year-old boy playing with his neighbor, who was also named Billy. He vanished, and the three-year-old Billy, his friend, stated that the boogeyman took his friend, Billy. Billy Gaffney. Yeah. The police laughed off the statement and instead chose to ignore it. Gaffney's body has never been found. It's never been recovered. Were these people poor? Don't know. I don't know. They don't say it. Yeah. Albert Fish confessed to murdering and eating Billy in a letter. And I want to warn you guys, what I'm about to read is very disturbing. And the English is kind of, he's not the best writer. Um, it's kind of all over the place, but it's, I'm going to read it because I, you have to hear this because this is, this is where the shit hits the fan, really. It's awful. And I quote, Next day, about 2 p.m., I took tools, a good heavy cat o nine tails homemade short handle cut one of my belts in half slit the halves in six strips about eight inches long i whipped his bare behind the blood ran down his legs i cut off his ears nose slit his mouth from ear to ear gouged out his eyes he was dead then i stuck the knife in his belly and held my mouth to drink the blood running from his stomach I picked up four potato sacks and gathered a pile of stones. Then I cut him up. I had a grip with me. I put his nose, ears, and a few slices of his belly in the grip. Then I cut him through the middle of his body, just below the belly button. Then through the legs, about two inches below his behind. I put this in my grip with a lot of paper. I cut off the head, feet, arms, hands, and the legs below the knee. This is what I put in sacks weighed with stones, tied the ends and threw them into the pools of slimy water you will see all along the road going to North Beach. I came home with my meat. I had the front of his body I liked best. His monkey and peewees and a nice little fat behind to roast in the oven and eat. I made a stew out of his ears, nose, pieces of his face, and belly. I put onions, carrots, turnips, celery, salt, and pepper. It was good. Then I split the cheeks of his behind open, cut off his monkey and peewees, and washed them first. 
I put strips of bacon on each cheek of his behind and then put them in the oven. Then I picked four onions, and when the meat had roasted about or one-fourth an hour, I poured about a pint of water over it for gravy and put in the onions. At frequent intervals, I basted his behind with a wooden spoon so the meat would be nice and juicy. In about two hours, it was nice and brown, cooked through. I never ate any roast turkey that tasted half as good as his sweet, fat little behind did. I ate every bit of the meat in about four days. His little monkey was sweet as a nut, but his peewee I could not chew. Threw it in the toilet. My God. (sighs) My God. What this poor child endured. The torture. The level of violence inflicted on him. It it is sickening. And it, it... I read this, but, you know, and I've read this, honestly, guys, I've read this before we're doing this now, but just reading it out loud, it, it's, it's, it, it really sinks in how awful this is. I had actually not read this because I didn't want to. It is, it is. The thing about. I cu- didn't want to have to traumatize the, myself The thing about once. cutting his, his nose and his ears, that is just, ugh, horrifying. It is something out of a nightmare. And it should be noted that Gaffney's mother, Elizabeth, he sent this to Gaffney's mother. Yes. I don't know. Did we mention that part? Yeah, he does this. He does this repeatedly. He sends it to the mother. So I don't I don't know why he does it. I I can't even He does it because he gets off on knowing that they're sickened by it. He he literally he said it's causing pain. Yeah. It's causing pain. Again, everything's about pain with him. Right. Gaffney's mother, Elizabeth, visited Fish in Sing Sing, accompanied by detectives. She wanted to ask him about her son's death, but Fish refused to speak to her. Fish began to weep uncontrollably and asked to be left alone. After two hours of interrogation through his lawyer, James Dempsey, Mrs. Gaffney finally gives up. She spent the rest of her life unconvinced that Fish was her son's killer. The only thing that makes sense to me about that is the mother picks up on Fish's emotional distress and sadness. And perhaps that's with a mother's heart. You know, I've seen a lot of crime scene photos and autopsy photos, but the Billy Gaffney letter is more disgusting and sickening than any of them. I can easily say that. It sounds like it's more than just um, some demented imagination. It sounds like the truth. No, I think he killed him. I do too. I think he killed him, and most law enforcement thinks this is what happened as well. Fish attempted to test his instruments of hell on a child he had been molesting named Cyril Quinn. Quinn and his friend were playing box ball on a sidewalk, whatever box ball is, when Fish asked them if they had eaten lunch. When they said they had not, he invited them back to his apartment with an offer of food. I'm assuming these are more poor kids who don't. Yeah, I think he offered them sandwiches. Mm-hmm. That's what I remember. While the two boys were wrestling on Fish's bed, they dislodged his mattress. Underneath was a knife, a small handsaw, and a meat cleaver. They became frightened and got the fuck out of there. One of the most disturbing things I found while researching uh, this case was that many of the children who escaped Albert Fish claimed he changed shape or morphed when they were alone with him. It's interesting. Very similar to reports from people who had been under the spell of Jeffrey Dahmer actually claimed that uh, he shapeshifted during those hours they were held hostage in his apartment, that, that his image changed, transformed into someone or something else. Now, I don't know what they mean by that specifically. Does they mean like he turned into a demon? Do they mean he turned into a creature of some kind? But it's, it's really creepy and and disturbing and i wanted to include this in here because we're the spookies and we do weird stuff and that's also another thing that drew me to this case i mean you saw 
people doing bad things and their faces change. Yes, and if you want to know about this, you're going to have to listen to Attack of the VHS <laughs> Monsters. Otherwise, it makes no sense, and I sound like a complete schizophrenic lunatic. So go and listen <laughs> to that podcast. I mean, and... I have a theory on why people might see these things. Well, share your theory. Okay, so my theory is that they're seeing the true nature and form of who these people are. That's if you buy that they're evil. I don't know about that. I mean, I, th- I think it can manifest, and you're seeing a, sl- a psychic... You know, if you're tapped into that much terror... What does that do to your brain and your own yeah. psyche? I, I, I just, I don't know. I, it's completely ambiguous to me. To me, I, I'm, I'm left. I don't. We know. don't know when or how we use our sixth sense. I think it's, it's there for a lot of people. Well, that's you know. That's, we don't understand it. I don't whole, understand. The psychic it. stuff is a whole other podcast. But I'm saying that a lot. Everybody has a form of it. I mean, if you have any kind of intuition or level of intuition, you're using a sixth sense. You know, if you know that somebody's looking at you. You have all these rules for psychic ability, and it's like, where does this come from? It comes from just, like... Like, you think that only good people can have psychic ability, and I think that's bullshit. Yeah. I don't believe that. Yeah. I, I mean, if it exists... Because it comes from God. If it exists, well, I, I don't <laughs> I don't really think God is good either, so that's a whole other conversation. Anyway, strong Pennywise energy with this, this case. <laughs> Very strong. I wonder if Stephen King... Had heard about Albert Fish. Oh yes, he did. I told you he included him in one of his stories. So, he but was, I wonder if he was also an inspiration for Pennywise. He might have been because Pennywise eats kids. Yeah, and this guy eats kids, and he, this guy eats kids, and tortures kids, mm-hmm. and shapeshifts. So who knows? But continue. Albert is the prime suspect in many unsolved murders and disappearances of children in New York and the vicinity around this time. Other suspected victims are Emma Richardson, age five, Yetta Abram. Sorry, Abramovitz. Yeah, I had trouble saying this too. Age 12, Robin Jane Liu, 6, Mary Ellen O'Connor, 16, Benjamin Collings, 17. I want to note that these names, one looks to be maybe of Jewish descent. Another could be Chinese. O'Connor, Collings, those are Irish. Now, at the time, these people... Persecuted. Are persecuted peoples. Marginalized. Marginalized I and even Richardson too. That could that well, that this could be Anglo-Saxon. People have asked, you know, when are you going to do a story about Irish. marginalized people? Well, you know, this is it. You know, this is what kind of drives me nuts about white racists of Irish descent because our ancestors were persecuted. Yeah, and we should be very cognizant of what that feels like or what that that's done because certainly we have stories in our own families of, of what this is how people were treated. I don't particularly have these stories in my family. I don't really know where I come from, to be honest. But I know that I've talked to other people because we have a fuck ton of Irish people who live in the Midwest. There's just a lot of us out here. This is a case of of someone using marginalized people Mm -hmm. as victims. Just like Jeffrey Dahmer. Right. And at one point, it would would say uh, no N-words allowed and Irish. Yeah. (laughs) And if you're like, like we we were lumped into that, and it was like I guess when the Irish were no longer considered N words, they were like, well, that's fine for us to be also the oppressors. Sorry, that's a side note tangent I just went down. One of the victims uh, Stephanie mentioned was uh, Mary Ellen O'Connor. Uh, she was a schoolgirl, mm-hmm. and uh, she is a particular significance. She was found in a wooded area, mauled to death. Mm-hmm. Uh, police initially thought it was an animal attack. That is, until they discovered the bite marks were human. And Fish, this is why he's a suspect in the case, had been seen in that area. So, again, it's like a creature. Mm-hmm. And that again, that's interesting to me. He was often seen by people wandering around the streets of Staten Island or Queens, mumbling to himself. 
And I guess there's still people doing that to this day. <laughs> but they weren't eating kids. Oh, you mean the mumbling? And... <laughs> the mumbling, yes. <laughs> well, he could have been Bert. You know, Bert was doing that. I, 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 when I hear stuff like that, though, about him, I just feel sad. Yeah. You know, because he sounds like a... He a, sounds crazy. It's a crazy old man. I mean, and I, I mean actual crazy. I don't mean just like hyperbolically crazy. I mean crazy, crazy. Really crazy. Yeah. Out Here, of his mind. Yeah. Out of his fucking gourd. Yep. I mean, to do what he's doing, you have to be out of your fucking mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, parents recall seeing a strange old man with cold gray eyes watching from afar as their children played in backyards or on porches. He just stood there staring at them, clenching and unclenching his fists. He was creeping around in the bushes like a thing from hell. Yeah, the clenching of the fist, I don't... That was brought up a bunch, and I don't know why he's doing that. It's, it's just, a tick. Yeah. It's a mental tick. Yeah. Because there's something that wrong. That shows he's crazy. He's, there's something not right. All right, Seven, you got... In May 25th, 1928, Manhattan, New York, Fish saw a classified advertisement in the Sunday edition of the New York World that read, Young man, 18, wishes position in country. Edward Budd, 406 West 15th Street. Fish, then 58 years old, visited the Bud family in Manhattan under the pretense of hiring Edward. He introduced himself to the family as the kind and grandfatherly Mr. Howard. Fish told the family he was looking to hire someone for $15 a week to work on his farm. He later confessed that he planned to mutilate Edward and leave him to bleed to death. He promised the family that the following week he would return and he would take Edward out to his farm to start working. He failed to show on the day it promised, but he sent a telegram apologizing, and he set a new date. On June 3, 1928, he visited the Bud family again. This time, he brought gifts for all the Bud children. He seemed like the typical loving grandfather to the Bud family. After lunch that day, Mr. Howard explained to the family that he had to attend a children's birthday party at his sister's home. He said he would be back later that day to pick up Edward to take him to this farm. As he was leaving, he asked the family to allow him to take their eldest daughter, Grace, with him to go to the birthday party. He had taken quite a shine to Grace. They dressed her in her best Sunday clothes. Grace left the house with Mr. Howard, Fish, for the very last time. Grace Bud was never seen or heard from again. When Grace did not return, her father went to the address Fish gave him. It did not exist. Of he, course. He then went to the police to report Grace missing. The story soon made national headlines and became a media sensation. Thousands of flyers were printed and distributed throughout the U.S. and Canada. Mm-hmm. Seven years later, in November 1934, an anonymous letter was sent to the girl's parents, which ultimately would lead to be the end of Albert Fish. Thank God. Yeah. Because I wonder how long he's been doing this. It says, quote, Dear Mrs. Budd, in night. 1894, a friend of mine shipped as a deckhand on the steamer Tacoma, Captain John Davis. They sailed from San Francisco for Hong Kong, China. On arriving there, he and two others went ashore and got drunk. When they returned, the boat was gone. At that time, there was famine in China. Meat of any kind was from $1 to $3 per pound. So great was the suffering among the very poor that all children under 12 were sold for food in order to keep others from starving. I highly doubt this. A boy or girl under 14 was not safe in the street. You could go in any shop and ask for steak, chops, or stew meat. Part of the naked body of a boy or girl would be brought out and just what you wanted cut from it. A boy or girl's behind, which is the sweetest part of the body, and sold as veal cutlet, brought the highest price. John stayed there so long he acquired a taste for human flesh. 
On his return to New York, he stole two boys, one seven and one eleven, took them to his home, stripped them naked, tied them in a closet, then burned everything they had on. Several times every day and night he spanked them, tortured them, to make their meat good and tender. First he killed the eleven-year-old boy because he had the fattest ass and, of course, the most meat on it. Every part of his body was eaten except the head, bones, and guts. He was roasted in the oven, all of his ass, broiled, boiled, fried, and stewed. The little boy was next, went the same way. At that time, I was living at 409 East 100 Street, near right side. He told me so often how good human flesh was, I made up my mind to taste it. On Sunday, June the 3rd, 1928, I called on you at 406 West 15th Street, brought you pot cheese, strawberries. We had lunch. Grace sat in my lap and kissed me. I made up my mind to eat her, on the pretense of taking her to a party. You said yes, she could go. I took her to an empty house in Westchester I had already picked out. When we got there, I told her to remain outside. She picked wildflowers. I went upstairs and stripped all my clothes off. I knew if I did not, I would get her blood on them. When all was ready, I went to the window and called her. Then I hid in a closet until she was in the room. When she saw me all naked, she began to cry and tried to run down the stairs. I grabbed her, and she said she would tell her mama. First, I stripped her naked. How she did kick, bite, and scratch. I choked her to death, then cut her in small pieces so I could take my meat in my rooms cook and eat it. How sweet and tender her little ass was roasted in the oven. It took me nine days to eat her entire body. I did not fuck her, though. I could have, and I wished. She died a virgin, end quote. What the fuck? And now I feel like I'm going to vomit. So This gross. is clearly cannibal fan fiction, though, the Chinese part. It's like his weird fan fiction. Yeah, because it's got all of his weird fetishes it's in It's got there. this origin story of, like, this is how I became a cannibal. Yeah, yeah. Cause he's trying to make himself appear like he's <laughs> he had this interesting backstory. Cannibal begins. The The image, though, of a, an elderly man stripping off his clothes and then appearing to this young girl and she starts crying is, is just really... It's like it's like something out of a nightmare. There's mm-hmm. something about that image that really sticks with me. My mind keeps trying to shy away from all of these details. Now, this letter, this horrible, sickening letter, would ultimately lead to the downfall of Albert Fish. Good. Following his release from a psychiatric facility in 1930, police arrested Fish in 1931 for mailing obscene letters. Fish wrote to women who would request pen pals in the Lonely Hearts sections of his local newspapers. Often, he would pretend to be a Hollywood producer named Robert Fisk with a son named Bobby who needed frequent spankings with a cat o' nine tails. He reportedly corresponded with one woman who went on with his game of perversion and even admitted to being interested in indulging in his cannibalistic fetish. Gross. He instructed her to tie up her son and husband so they could both feast on them. When Fish sent a, an, an obscene letter to a maid, the woman notified the authorities. Fish was, again, briefly hospitalized. He goes in and out of the mental institutions, but nothing ever really stops him until... So the envelope to the letter he sent to Grace, Bud's family, had an important clue. A small hexagonal emblem had the letters NYPCBA, which stood for the New York Private Chauffeurs Benevolent Association. 
with the cooperation of the president of the association, an emergency meeting of the members was held. In the meantime, police checked out the handwritten membership forms looking for handwriting similar to Frank Howard's. Detective King then asked the members, all of whom had passed the handwriting test, to report anybody who had taken the association's stationery. A young janitor came forward, admitting that he had taken a couple of sheets of paper and a few envelopes. He had left the stationery in his old rooming house at 200 East 52nd Street. The landlady was shocked when she was given Frank Howard's description. He sounded just like the old man who had lived there for two months. The old man who had just checked out of her rooming house just a couple of days earlier. The former tenant had called himself Albert H. Fish. The landlady mentioned that Fish had told her to hold a letter that he was expecting from his son who worked for the Civilian Conservatory in North Carolina. The son regularly sent money to his old dad. Not knowing what his dad was. Finally, the post office told Detective King that it had intercepted a letter for Albert Fish. Detective King was becoming worried that Fish had not contacted his former landlady. The police worried that something had scared him away. On December 13th, 1934, the landlady called Detective King. Albert Fish was at the rooming house looking for his letter. The old man was sitting with a teacup when King opened the door. Fish stood up and nodded when King asked him if he was Albert Fish. Suddenly, Fish reached into his pocket and produced a straight razor, stained with blood, which he held in front of him. Enraged, King grabbed the old man's hand and twisted it sharply. I've got you now, you bastard, he said triumphantly. The night before the trial began, Fish took a chicken bone from the soup he was given for dinner, sharpened it to a point, and repeatedly stabbed himself with it. Guard heard him moaning in his cell. He rushed in and took away the makeshift weapon. It was reported by the media as a suicide attempt, but it was simply another means of Fish satisfying his deviant sexual urges. They never stopped. On March 11, 1935, Fish's trial began, and he pleaded innocent by reason of insanity. He claimed that voices in his head told him to kill children and commit other horrendous crimes. I don't disbelieve that. No, I I agree. Albert seemed indifferent to everything. One reporter is quoted as saying he looked like a corpse in the courtroom. His children testified that he was a great dad and that he really loved them. He never hurt them and he was a hard worker. They believed he was driven by impulses he could not control. Despite several psychiatrists diagnosing Fish as insane, the jury found him sane and guilty after a 10-day trial. I think it took him like an hour to deliberate. (laughs) He was sentenced to die by electrocution. And again, it gets weird. Fish thanked the judge for a sentence of death by electrocution. So again, this kind of goes with my theory that he's sad and Mm -hmm. he's not happy. And I think if he'd had the balls, he probably would have killed himself a lot But there's also another element to this, which you're going to read. On January 16th, 1936, Fish was electrocuted at Sing Sing Prison in Ossining, New York. Reportedly, a process Fish looked upon as the, quote, the ultimate sexual thrill, end quote. A Daily News reporter wrote, his watery eyes gleamed at the thought of being burned by a heat more intense than the flames with which he often seared his flesh to gratify his lust. It is said Fish helped the executioner position the electrodes on his body before uttering his final words. I don't even know why I'm here. It took two jolts to kill him. It should be noted that the jurors later revealed they believed Fish to be insane. They wanted him executed in spite of his mental illness. We see this a lot with murderers who are clearly mentally ill. Their crimes are so gruesome, it doesn't matter to most people. They want them to suffer. Mm -hmm. 
Fish once claimed that he had killed children in every state, and at one time stated his number of victims were over 100. Um, the actual number I think people today think is around 50. That's a lot, though. Yeah, that's a lot. No one knows to this day how many children were molested, mutilated, killed, or eaten by Albert Fish, the American boogeyman. Okay, Stephanie, do you believe that Albert Fish would have become a killer without the trauma he suffered, without the brain damage, without the mental illness? No. Like, not absolutely Why not? not? I don't think he was born evil. That's it. He was born with mental illness. But apparently. I don't think he was born this dark psychopath or sociopath or whatever the fuck he is without those other contributing factors. It's yeah. like the perfect storm of terrible things to happen to any person while their brain is still being formed. Well. Because that's the thing. It's not a fully formed brain yet. You know. As, as, this no, is I mentioned so, that. He was injured very early in life. Right. But I don't know if people either always consider that. When, when a brain is developing, it's so fragile. It's so much more fragile than an adult brain. You got jelly in your heads, guys. <laughs> it's not like a fucking rock that people think it is. It's yeah, Michael let me know that there are CTE truthers out there and that means that they think that serious brain trauma doesn't occur because like, the brains it's themselves... It's like a bone. Our heart is rock. We have skulls for a reason. It's to protect <laughs> our brains. When you get punched, your brain... It's knocking around in the inside of your skull. And that's how you get brain damage. Yeah, yeah. That's how well, you even, get CTE. Even light head trauma. So even like a light concussion, and I've had a few, that can cause things like your pituitary to malfunction. Um, it can cause other glands of the brain to malfunction. So if we know it does does it to the glands, what else is it doing to other... I think that the problem here is... You I, know, moral processing centers and other things that are decision-making centers. That's what and, I said is the moral centers of his brain were destroyed. Yeah. I believe. Now, there was no autopsy conducted. He was buried They wouldn't have known at the anyway prison. They at didn't, the time. They didn't even look for anything. We barely understand the brain now, and we only understand it. With they just... They killed him and buried him and forgot about him. I mean, I think they're putting him out of his misery anyway. Yeah. Well, we're going to get to that. But I, I believe he never really had a chance. No. And, and this is not me. Look, what he did to those children is, is unforgivable. Writing the letters to the mothers. That's malevolent. Um, Even before he did that, I don't know if we Writing the this. letters to the women. Before he starts, at least that we know of, of killing people, he's writing creepy letters to women in personal ads. Yeah. And sending them really creepy, just gross fucking... Anything to Letters. cause pain. Yeah. Yeah. And that to me just speaks of like what happened to him as a child, that he was viciously. He came to associate pain with pleasure. Right. Because again, it rewires the brain. So a developing brain to a, to a five-year-old child, that's going to be 
just severely the diminished. The key is the orphanage. Mm-hmm. But all, but he was born mm-hmm. into a family with mental illness. Yeah, he's got the other factor of that mental illness is already there. He's maybe even so schizophrenia. So here's the question. Should somebody with... Whatever your opinions on the death penalty are, I'm going to ask this to the listeners too. Do you think that somebody with mental illness or brain damage should be executed? Do you think that that's the right call? Depends. Uh, in this guy's case, yes, for a couple reasons. Well, explain. So the first reason is that he's obviously suffering. So if you even wanted to look at it in a humanist standpoint or a more Christian standpoint, he's suffering because he's doing this to adults. He's done this to children. He's doing unspeakable things. And he's not happy. And he's hurting himself over and over and over again. Where do you think the cannibalism came from, though? Because I what... think it comes from the, the psychosis. Yeah. I but, think it comes it, from the... Did he hear voices telling yeah, him? Yeah, that's Because it's I think. never mentioned that. That's yeah. the part I can't figure out is where does the cannibalism well, come the, from? Well, the clue is that letter. Where he says, where he makes up the story. I'm gonna. I'm assuming he's making up the story. He's of making the friend up this persona. Who went to China? He's and, making up a persona again, the little uh-huh. man that wishes he were big, and he's making up a persona of this this origin story that is bullshit. It's cannibal yeah. fan fiction, as I said. Um, it's not real. Um, and maybe he thinks it's real. For all we know, he maybe he even but believes it's real. How do you compartmentalize? I mean, how does one? compartmentalize he doesn't completely compartmentalize because he does have his children uh, beat him and do weird things yeah but he still is is apparently a good father and that's that's what's weird because most pedophiles that we know of have usually started in on their children first by all accounts btk was a good father yeah and btk looks like a mean bastard he looks like a fucking killer that's a guy that actually you're like oh yeah totally looks like a fucking killer (laughs) that guy that guy looks like what but he is. But they're kind of similar in some ways because they both, it's it's a sexual component to them. But I don't think BTK is actually crazy in the way that Albert Fish is crazy. No, I think he's just sick. But uh, the, Albert Fish is, is, the question is, is it moral or right to execute a person with brain damage or a person who is deeply mentally ill? If they're that far gone, yeah. Or is it better just to keep them, Put in, them a, out of their in an institution? I think for him, because of what he was doing to himself and that he seemed incapable to stop. And at this time, there isn't any good medication. There's the Medication still really sucks for schizophrenia, by the way. Uh, it's still not very great for people even with bipolar disease. And no, they're not the same. Or even people with like non-severe uh, schizophrenia. But the medication is still not that great. So treatments for severe mental illness just aren't good. People have a visceral reaction to this case i've noticed and also you know he was like eating fucking kids and writing these letters and that says that he some on one level knows it's wrong so yeah he's insane but on one level he fucking knows but if it's he's wrong. really insane and, he doesn't he can't tell right from wrong this but is the if conundrum. he couldn't tell right from wrong then how come he's not doing it to his kids well, yeah, that's the conundrum. That's the quest. So, but i i don't see how you could not say he's he's i mean i absolutely think he's fucking crazy I, I think he's just, he's out of his people goddamn mind. People have a visceral reaction to this case. There's people that think he is literally the most evil man that's ever walked the earth. And I, don't, I, I don't think I don't that, know how you which could. Which is really weird. I, would, but I think it's because we have a visceral reaction to young his children. Early, his early childhood is what decides me against that. We have a vi- visceral reaction to people who harm young children. Right. It's innate. There's something primal, biological about it, um, especially in women, I've noticed. You know, for obvious reasons, or mothers, mm-hmm. or, or could be mothers. Um, 
but I will say this. I don't, I, I disagree. You know, I don't believe in evil people. I believe evil is often used as an excuse. It is a way to categorize cruel, vile, or barbaric immoral behavior. And in this case, I think we're dealing with a person who is um, clearly mentally ill and clearly deranged. I mean, I look at it like somebody who has rabies, right? And you wouldn't let them fucking live with rabies. Now, and go out of their fucking Having mind. Having said that. Would you? <laughs> I would hope not. If true evil is the affliction of pain and death for no other purpose than personal gratification, then Albert Fish may be one of the most evil human beings to ever live. Because that's clearly what he cared about was this gratification, this even to himself. Mm-hmm. Um, but that all goes but back it, to the trauma again, as a child. At what point does the crime outweigh the situation? For example, Hitler had an abusive father um, who abused him after his mother died. Stalin also. Uh, Does does that mean that we expunge Hitler of his sins? Fish had a terrible youth. What happened to Fish was not even the same But abducted, molested, and ate children. So some would argue that his crimes are so depraved and horrific that no context lessens the crimes. Now, I don't agree with that argument, but I've seen it thrown around. Again, I'm just I'm playing devil's advocate for the context of this conversation we're having. I mean, I think he needed to die anyway. I because you can't fix what's already broken in him. You can't put him in a hospital. He's going to suffer. I think his crimes are and un- the crimes are so horrific or, or, or horrific and so bad. He needs to die. He or, needs to die. Or horrific. Uh, I am troubled by the fact though the jury wasn't able to just say, "Yeah, we think he's insane, but we want to kill him anyway." <laughs> right? I think, well, maybe however did- one feels about the death penalty, I'm troubled by the fact they executed a man with brain damage. Anytime somebody has brain damage. In but your they didn't ca- know anything about what brain damage did back then. But also that he's crazy. You know, they they admitted they thought he was nuts. But he could have escaped the death penalty if they had said they at thought least he was nuts. have the courage. to. Yeah, but he could have been life in prison. It's not like he would have gotten away with it. I don't think the guy being life in prison is any good for society. I don't think it's so, good for him. Stephanie is on the record as being for the death penalty. I'm just for gonna... him. and that, But I can't, I'm not 100% death penalty all the time. I I'm think... not even condemning you. I'm just saying this. we're getting you on the record here. Well, yeah. I'm interrogating you. <laughs> he needed to die. I, I look at it like someone, again, like if you've contracted rabies, you didn't know, and you turn into like Cujo, and your brain is now rotted. He And I'm not excusing there. anything he did. Look... What he did is horrifying. It's one of the most horrifying cases. It's why I picked it, because people kept begging for serial killers. And I was like, I'll give you a serial killer that will, Ugh, make, put me through this. That will make you sick. It made me sick. You know? But it's also spooky season, and this is a scary story. Mm-hmm. There's something, but it's also a very human story, I felt like. And it's a historical kind of story in many ways. Uh, but I, my take is, I'm not comfortable with him being killed because he was mentally ill. But that doesn't mean that I excuse his crimes... Or that, you know, he shouldn't suffer for what he did because he did some really, really horrific things. Okay, so we got some fan slash hate mail stuff in here. You ready? Did we say we weren't going to read some of this shit? No, this is different. This is different. <laughs> also, we want to end on a positive note by reading off how awful we are. I drink your tears, haters. Just know that. Well, the first question is is not really that type of it's uh leslie hammond ask this is a dm what are your thoughts on dog the bounty hunter joining the search for brian laundry given his problematic history well what are your thoughts on this stephanie aside from his problematic history the cops are getting fucking nowhere 
And, and their histories are probably problematic. <laughs> yeah. It's Florida. It's Florida. As, as long as he doesn't fuck up the case as far as prosecuting Brian goes, because I think we all agree that he did it. I mean. That's what they, people are afraid of dogs and like beat him up or something. No, no, no. I don't. That That's not going to get him out of fucking jail. I don't think um, that dog's ever done it. And dog does have a good track record. Dog has an extremely accurate track so record. he's not just a bullshitter and honestly for some of the racist shit he said and it was taken out of context um and i'm not trying to excuse it because i don't think you should say this stuff uh he was fighting with his son it was well documented they had a really tumultuous relationship uh he didn't come from the best of circumstances either but i do think as an individual for all of his fucking faults i think he really cares a lot he cares a lot about justice and i i i don't think he's an out and out racist the way that i think that a lot of cops are well, so this is a good time to talk about another individual. I think so I'm it, glad he's fucking. If he can fucking find him, good. This this is a good time to talk about another individual who, who? by all accounts, was a good cop. Mark Furman was a good investigator. Yeah, and that's that's and tragic. a racist. Yeah, and that's tragic because it it's he it's was a very he, effective mm-hmm. cop. Now you could people like now they're like, oh no, he was a bad cop. Well, he, he was a racist. He wasn't a bad cop. Yeah. Now he might have done things that were... as a cop that was bad. Yeah. <laughs> Michael's saying he's a good investigator. That's yes. what you're saying, right? Yes. He was good at being an investigator and a detective and and solving this is crime. Not a Mark Foreman lover. Not doing that. Yeah. Shit. No. Fuck that. <laughs> but you can be a a racist and still be a good investigator. There, it happens all the time. Right. You can I, also do bad things as a racist too. But I do think being a racist would color your ability to. Maybe solve well, crimes because you might you might start looking at it from a certain slant. Well, I think cops in general do that. Yeah, they do. You know, I know I'm uh, based. We on know they racially profile. To. I mean, look what happened after nine eleven. Jesus Christ! I knew somebody who was my, my ex girlfriend's aunt was a cop, and she had a negative view of minorities because mm-hmm. of the neighborhood she patrolled. Mm-hmm. And again, eventually, you turn. It's like it it turns over this thing in your head where you start to see people of color through a lens that is not good yeah but that's just gonna happen i think and if you're constantly if you're not seeing the good the negative the bad, side yeah, only seeing that's one your side exposure of it. to people of color is this negative crime element it's going to and i'm not excusing it okay yeah. so don't send this fucking email saying that and i'm not a mark farmer supporter i'm just saying he was an effective investigator okay but he was a fucking racist. you're saying problematic people can still be good at their jobs yes yeah if that's controversial <laughs> shoot shoot me we know that there are a ton of people who were good at jobs and some, some of them are even good i mean authors. i'm a good podcaster and i'm fucking problematic so what are you guys <laughs> talking about he's way more problematic than me yeah <laughs> everything i say is problematic have you seen my twitter feeds you motherfuckers <laughs> you have like some of our some of our mutuals have blocked you but not me and they they won't say why <laughs> they like, don't like me i know <laughs> when people don't like me they really don't like me but the feelings mutual so but that's usually true of me too i don't usually get a uh a At least we give people. a reaction. At least we create a reaction. If I create a reaction in you, I've already won. We've talked about this before. <laughs> I drink your tears. So, Tim Kurtz writes, I am disappointed you guys have descended into conspiracy theory by platforming that Chris Knowles guy. We fucking said we would talk about conspiracies. We've talked about them before. <laughs> Stephanie sounds like a dumb bitch talking about the so-called face on Mars. It is clearly an optical illusion. Oh, my feelings are so hurt. You're a dumb bitch, I'm Stephanie. So dumb. 
according to this Tim Kurtz guy. And he wants to take. He wants. Me I to bet take this him guy seriously. is an alt right dick writer. Are you mad that no one will blow you? Is that what it is? Tim sounds like a guy with a small dick and a closed mind. <laughs> Can you only get sexual satisfaction from your hands? Is that why you're upset? Well, I'm about to say something Tim's really not going to like. <laughs> that podcast with Knowles was is our most popular podcast. Yeah, it was. Massively yeah. the, our most popular podcast. And Knowles will be back on again. And we're going to talk about Jeffrey Epstein and Kevin Spacey and a bunch of other crazy shit. And if you guys don't like it, don't tune in. But we're going to keep... He's going to be a guest. People like him. We like him. Well, look, I love Chris. I... I don't agree with everything. We don't Chris agree says. with him. I don't agree with you on everything. And every I know he thing. doesn't agree with everything that I and say. And that's not that's not what we have people on is for them to lick our dicks. Like we're yeah. not we're not in that. I, I think if you're only putting people on that are just one hundred percent yes yes yes, then then we do agree with Chris on a lot. You'll we never do. have anyone interesting on the podcast or on TV or radio, or whatever the fuck, ever ever again. I have my friends on, mm-hmm. you know, and I wouldn't be friends with this guy if I didn't think he's a good guy. So. That's the way it is. And he's very smart. And people he's, like, re- he's very smart. He's very yeah. smart. Just like mm-hmm. Darren Mooney's very smart. You know, Stephanie and I don't agree on everything. You know, or some <laughs> of the stuff she says about psychic ability. I'm just like, really? Even though what. he's psychic. I'm not psychic. Mm-hmm. No, I, I'm what does Frank say in Millennium? He says uh, it, it's a I'm an empath or. Well, that's what I am. Yeah. I'm not psychic, guys. Just don't listen to bullshit. Anyway. So he claims. Uh, Casey Sharon asked. Are you ever going to do a podcast on Lizzie Borden? I believe it would make for a great pod. That case is still very controversial. We might. I think we should. We'll do it as a... Well, I'm going to get to something, though. Uh, We might do that as a Patreon. But next week, if you like axe murders, we're doing a story about axe murders and broken mirrors. And there's there's a theory about mirrors that I haven't talked about, I've told Stephanie about, which is really interesting. And look, I'm not saying I believe it, but it's fucking cool. It's in Michael's weird wheelhouse. Yes. It's really interesting. And I think axe murderers are interesting in general because it's they're ritualistic. And anything ritualistic, I'm, I'm all about that. I didn't get the thing with the axe murderer being ritualistic until I thought of beheadings. Like, you know. Ceremonial axes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, the, the king orders off with her head. That kind of shit, you know. Yeah. There's always Henry been. Henry VIII. Not every axe murder is ritualistic. There's people killed in battle with axes. It's whatever. Oh, battle axes. Yeah. But that's some axe murders shit right are there. rare and they're really strange. And that's what we're going to get into next week. We're going to get into another case about marginalized people also being African-American people were victims of an axe murder mm-hmm. or a cult. There's two. There's a lot of theories on this. Okay. TJ Garcia asked, what is something you are morbidly fascinated by? Something others might be disturbed to learn about you. Now, he's got another question, but I'm going to ask this for sure. What is it, What is it, Stephanie? I don't... What am I... Mm. Cannibalism? No. Necrophilia? I, yeah, it's that. Yeah, because it's so, like, foul. This is something Chris Knowles would definitely disagree on. I know. He no, doesn't but like it's... sexual homicide cases. No. It... He doesn't like to talk about that stuff. Like, the body is dead, and it's rotting. And why? How does a human being think... How? Like, I guess that's what it is. It's like, because the, the, the taboo on it is really strong. Yet it happens, from what we've been understanding and learning as this podcast goes on, it happens way more than is ever reported or talked about, like I had first thought as a kid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My research has proven that, so. Yeah, there's just something really, really creepy and morbid. And, and I don't think, it's not something I think about all the time. But yeah, when it's brought up, when, when 
when serial killers are brought up and and we know that um who's the who's the guy who was good looking Ted Bundy. Ted Bundy. But he would go and dig up corpses. This is very common. So I think it is more common. And it's just, it's one of those things that is just so fucking gross. It's like. Well, Stephanie told me a story last night about when she was in, was at college. She, she wanted to hold a brain. No, I didn't want to. They, what they did is they, I was in anatomy class. Yeah. And they said, hey, we're going to have next week. But you chose to. A bunch of the people were like, I don't want to do it. And I'm like, you're all a bunch of bitch ass babies. It's gross. I want to hold the brain and say I fucking held the I've brain and not held, be a bitch. I've never held a brain. I don't want to hold a brain. Uh, I, I'm was, not into brains. Well, I, you know, I. <laughs> so this is um, as a young 25 year old woman back in the day. They used to show on the Discovery Channel when they used to show science on the Discovery. Oh, Channel, I know. They, show, they show would it. have surgeries on there, and I would fucking sit there and watch them as a child. Well, it's like stuff from the house would show shit like. But that. I would. They were full on surgeries, and I would watch them. I was fascinated by I it. I know some people are into that. I'm not. So, and I, I'm still fascinated. I, they are, uh, there's certain things I don't like I know, to watch. I, I know a lot about neuroscience because that's my field is in psychology. I didn't know when I got into psychology. And you still wouldn't hold a brain? Well, they didn't offer it. <laughs> I've seen them, but I just didn't do it. I don't think it was a whole brain. I can't remember. I think it was a bisected brain. Um, that's usually what it is yeah it was a bisected brain it was in like the formaldehyde I, there's something gross. about brains and jars and we had to put on these like big ass gloves because it was in a big ass tank there, there's and, something about and maybe it's the horror movie thing brains and jars well, i was just out. kind of fascinated by it it's like well what what does this feel like i'll never have this experience again to know so what a brain is like and and it was strange i watched a guy on youtube it was eat, gross i watched a guy on youtube eat different animal brains it was disgusting I would never eat fucking brains. What, Actually, I'm, like I'm, Julia Yaffe. I don't even know if I could handle like raw, raw, fresh brains. Then I could the. Cause you're not wearing gloves or anything. The yeah. human brain was easier because it's like, well, this was a person once upon a time, and it's gross. It's no longer alive, and it's been preserved, so it's like 50 years old. I would say that the thing that might disturb, I'm overly fascinated with, is. Um, and Stephanie knows about this. I have a thing for... I, I used to watch videos on animals uh, attacking and killing people. <laughs> Some of that shit's funny, though. When animals attack. <laughs> I, I awesome. love animals. And when I they like... get the hunters. <laughs> yeah, I want to watch... I don't mean, like, people, like, going after deer. I mean, like, the big game poacher or motherfuckers. Or the, the matadors getting attacked by the bulls. I love that shit. I love it. I love watching it. I'm mad that they've it. already like upset that animal that much. Or when I hear stories of like poachers getting eaten by that, a that makes me happy. I'm like, yeah, you deserve it, motherfucker. That's karma. That animal's and eating your one ass. One of my favorite you deserve it. characters in all of fiction is the Predator from the Predator movies because the Predator kills people and it feels like, and he goes after, like, you can make a Predator movie about him going after poachers because that, <laughs> there was a novel. That would be so sweet. I read a novel like that. It was, I'd fucking it was, watch that. It was an island where big game hunters all go to hunt mm -hmm. game and then the predator shows up because he knows all those hunters so jimmy john's guy would be like number one on his list well he's also i don't know because he's fat he would just get killed whatever Fuck he that. would totally kill him dude that jimmy john's guy was like killing all kinds of animals who can't one even of the run rules away. about the predator though is Ugh. he wants worthy prey fucking giraffes who the fuck kills giraffes losers guys Jesus with no Christ. dicks fucking giraffes and other like rare species of animal that should not be touched like sentient Goddamn mammals, uh, like elephants. Don, Don Jr. killed what giraffe? Fuck that guy and hold, too. Hold the hold the tail. A of, fucking giraffe. A tail, dude. Dude, lions don't even fuck with the giraffes. 
They try. Occasionally they will try. And then they're like, yeah, yeah, just kidding. We, we just thought so we would try that. So the other thing is, what is your most controversial opinion? This is the second half of his question. I know what mine is, but go ahead. Fuck. All right. You're, you're going to get in trouble over this. Um, canceled. All right. I, Finally, Stephanie is canceled. <laughs> burn, witch, burn. Um, I don't think it's settled science to start giving stopgap hormones for kids who identify as transsexual. Because their brains are still developing. Well, Twitter is about to kill you now. It's not settled science. Um, again, I have... You're a turf. No, because I support trans rights and I support trans people. And I support people wanting being who they feel most comfortable being. We have being. friends on Twitter who are trans. Yeah, yeah. We like them. <laughs> I like them I've a lot. I've even offered... Uh, I, I want, I'd love ContraPoints to come on this podcast because I watch... I'm a fan of hers, but she never will. But whatever. <laughs> Especially after tonight. We're well, fucked. Well, look... And, and I and I know why I know why kids want them, but there's just there's so many ways you change as a kid and what you, who you are and and you're just you're just discovering who you are as a child. But more more importantly, more importantly than that, those hormones are helping to develop your brain, and we don't understand the body well enough. We just fucking don't. And I can say this as someone with several metabolic disorders that they don't understand what's going on with me half the time. <laughs> Like, they're just like, oh, yeah, we don't know why your hair is falling out today or this other symptom is happening. So I, I, I am kind of maybe looking at it through a more personal lens. But, yeah, it, it troubles yeah. me that that we might be damaging children in the misguided attempt to try to help them. And also, the, the other thing I want to say is that um, suicides are really high in transgendered people and people who have transitioned. Well, there's also this argument that some of it is a fad, and young girls especially. Yeah. And it's also erasing the lesbian community. They, they feel like they're pressured to be to transition into men. I mean, I, I question if that's what happened to Ellen Page, now Elliot Page. Oh, no, no, no. You're, you're, you're a fuck now. I'm not... I'm not, I'm not Guys, she said this. Well, I but I wonder. I, I just wonder. And it, oh. and if that's the reason, that make, would make me really so, sad. So, in other words, you're a turf. No, okay. I'm not a turf. I'm just I'm just <laughs> saying. Look, we're all uncomfortable in our bodies as as young adults. As and we, when you're going through puberty, being in your body is just gross and uncomfortable. It's changing. It's doing things. The especially as a girl, are, the bodies, the processes, the of process the is just disgusting. Are, yeah. So it's really uncomfortable. And I'm saying this is like a cis straight fucking woman. All right, like. It okay. was it was highly uncomfortable for me just going through regular puberty and all the shit that I had to deal with as a regular fucking chick. So um, I can't imagine how much more confusing or uncomfortable it. it like I said, I don't think I don't Guys, think it's subtle science. What happened and I just, to Stephanie is that she read the <laughs> Harry Potter books and no. she was brainwashed by J.K. Rowling <laughs> to hate trans people. I do not hate trans people. Well, I just want people. I this is all I say is is uh, before you. Jump on board that bandwagon. Uh, you really need to look at several several different um, authorities on this because the the science on this is highly divided, and I would be really really careful before uh, doing anything permanent to a young a well, young. Well, one person. thing that the alt right and the woke culture people have in common is they don't believe in science. So, <sighs> okay. So guess what? I've got my own version of this, <laughs> uh, but I think mine. I think mine is more reasonable. Well, nah, it's not. Wait, more reasonable? I'm not being unreasonable. I'm just kidding. Jesus Christ. So, I think it's fair to have a conversation. I want to be careful when I say this about race and IQ. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not a race realist. That's an awful thing. What the fuck is that? That's the people that are like, oh, you know, 
look, black people are stupid. Let's be real about it. That's like it. eugenic shit. Yeah, it's disgusting. Okay. But statistically speaking, Asian people are the smartest people on earth. The them and Ashkenazi Jews. And Persians. Yeah. Yeah. And white people are down at the bottom. That doesn't mean <laughs> that doesn't mean that black people are stupid. Okay. There's plenty of black people that can run circles around me in physics and anything. I'm just Or that all Asian people are just automatically. Yeah, smart. They're all Asian people are smart or or that, you know, but I, I just asking the question doesn't make you a fucking racist. It's the science of it. Just studying it. That's all I'm saying. There's nothing wrong with it. I want to know everything. Yeah. And there, I feel like there's plenty of black scientists who want to know this, who mm-hmm. are fucking smarter than I'll ever be. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I'm not one of those, like, going to divide people up by IQs, because I think I, IQ is misleading in some ways. Well, I think it, it probably has a lot more to do with how old those cultures are. Like, how long have those human beings been... Look, they had math way, 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 way fucking before European people did. They just did. You know, mathematics, so did the Persians. I mean, Jews. if we're <laughs> going to divide people up in the race, yeah, my, my, you know, white people, they're not doing so hot right now. Metallurgy, they, all kinds of, they look fucking stupid uh, of, of different, you know, uh, skill sets and techniques and sciences were, were studied and discovered thousands of years before white Europeans. Yeah. just were. And I wonder if that has something to do with this. Also, with this it? thing of trying to say that Asian people are white. They're not. They're people of color. That's a weird fucking thing to and, me. And, and to other other races trying to throw that in there. And, and this is one of the things I feel like Aquafina gets hate by. Is cause I don't understand it because she's not white and she gets fucking discriminated against. It's like and, the lighter your skin, the more you're on the and spectrum other Asian of people evil. I know. Yeah, they and get also, discriminated against. I disagree with this idea that if you're born white, you're a bad person. I don't believe in racial determinism. Or, this or even who your ancestors are. Because that's, you know what, that's not fair. 90% of shit is culture. Yeah. That's not even fair to, like, kids who are born to racist. It's not fair to them. And they don't turn out to be racist. Yeah, there's plenty of people who are, fair. who are born to racist who grow up to be uh, uh, very enlightened people. Right. Um, it, it's just, you can't judge someone always by by who they're related to. Also, uh, we all come, come from. from the same fucking monkey. We all come from the same fucking original monkey. We're we're all related. We all come from, what is it, the the heart, cradle, heart, I can't think of it. Africa. Well, yeah, but there's a name for it. Like, they call it the heart of the cradle. Cradle of life. Yes, the cradle of life. We're all human beings, mm-hmm. you know? And a lot of it's culture. That's how some people are smart nerds. They studied more. Well, when they look at the DNA, this always cracks me up. If depending on like what company you use, they will always trace your DNA back to for, to Africa, to literally to Africa, because that's where we all start. That's where human beings. I'm, sorry, I can't I'm think of the very name. Sh- Homi, homeo, I, I'm Homo sapiens. I'm sorry, very, my brain's starting to go. I'm very sure that I have plenty of of black ancestry. Yeah, and I'm and I'm proud of that. Fine, you know, great. Mm-hmm. No, I. Uh, to me, it, but to me, it doesn't mean anything. Like it's like on Twitter, you'll have people say, "I'm proud to be black." Well, that's great, but it's like I don't care because to me, it's just your skin. I don't fucking care. Just like I'm not proud to be white. I don't fucking care. Well, I guess if it's more like I'm, it's kind a of, cultural thing. If it's more of a cultural thing because people are trying to. But I think you, culture is a prison. This is it my. It can be. This is my. Michael and I argue about this a lot. It can be. There are things that are really beautiful about culture. I see culture as, and I, but I also depending on the culture. I don't see all cultures as the same. I don't no. believe in cultural relativism. I believe there's a hierarchy of cultures. There's enlightened and there's stupid. You know, and <laughs> yeah, because are we going to say are we going to say the uh, QAnon 
uh, cuckoos are of the same the culture. The trailer park trash. The, tra- the white trailer park trash. Are they on the, are we shouldn't hold them up high because of their culture? No, fuck No, them. absolutely not. Okay. So Gina Reynolds writes, I hate Stephanie's blonde hair. Okay. It does not suit her at all. Makes her look so bland, so ordinary. Well, what do you have to say about this, Stephanie? I don't give a fuck. I love my fucking hair. I am so hot. I, I think right I, now. I agree with Gina. I love it <laughs> so much. Yeah. Oh, you're gonna die. I'm gonna die. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm Get kidding. ready to never be touched again. No. <laughs> I I had that joke waiting. It's not a joke, but it's just me being an ass. Um, look, any hair color can look wrong on you without the right kinds of makeup and I think you things. look best as a redhead. I'm just going to... I really love it. I've never been able to be a blonde before. And that's fine. Do what you want with your body. But I still think you look best as a redhead, and that's my opinion. So. I don't want to be a redhead right now. I'm really enjoying... That is okay. Living this blonde fantasy. I love it. I can't wait to express more makeup looks with it. I have plans. And I, yeah, I really... I think I want to be a blonde for a while. Gabriel or But a blonde blonde. Not just kind of blonde. I don't want to just be a highlights kind of girl. Yeah, whatever. Get back to red. <laughs> Gabriel Ortega asks, and this is this question I don't really like. Is it well, you'll see. Do okay. either do either of you consider yourself woke? I personally hate wokeness and consider it a virus. I see it as a religious movement. It ruins everything. Now, if he's talking about he's mad that like there's a girl in Star Wars and a black guy in Star Wars, fuck this guy. Like, seriously. Like we like diversity. It, yeah, it depends. Cause it's like, okay, well, no, I don't think I'm on Twitter, I would not be considered woke. They're cringe. In real life, I would be. I would be considered. There's, I'm not going to. I'm not going to name them, but there's some people I like on Twitter, but they're still fucking cringe. <laughs> so uh, I, I think you guys know who you are. I think I'm really. I would say that I'm. I'm pretty fucking liberal, and in real life, the people around me are so goddamn conservative. They would think I'm the wokest motherfucker they ever oh, met. Oh yeah, because we that, live in shit kicker land. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We live in sister fuckville. So while I, I don't love the woke culture because i feel like it's it's a chained prison that people are putting themselves it's into. a secular religion it's, yeah i think that's what he's trying to I say i equally hate the anti-woke religion well that's a youtube grift that fucking shit fuck well, that shit like the bill maher bullshit that well kind of... he, he lost trump he's got to hang on to something <laughs> that guy sucks so much i mean i haven't been watching him for a long time but my parents still do and so I hear his annoying ass voice come down. I'm like, what the fuck is this shit? He's right about some things, but occasionally, and I think he's mostly right about religion. I think that that and that's might get me a lot of hate right there. I don't think he's 100 percent right because I don't 100 percent agree with him on it because he's he's um, he's like me. <laughs> no, you're agnostic, but he's atheist. I do so, think religion is a disease. I'm gonna say, but religion can ha- can be its own barrier in prison because it becomes dogmatic. I'm just gonna say I'm not woke. But I don't. I wouldn't consider myself. I don't like the term progressive either. But I don't. The liberal has been now defined as this classical liberal, which is a conservative, and I'm not that either. Yeah, I'm not. That I'm kind of just not into politics. It's hard because when anymore, when, I'm. I've. They've lost me. Well, the problem is, is that everything has become so fucking black and white. We've lost all the shades of gray and and. Um, nuance. Nuance. Well, the, Twitter and nuance are enemies. I mean, it's why we have issues with like comedy and i don't mean like the comedians who were out there like raping chicks oh they I mean, like okay so i mean just funny motherfuckers so you can't even make a joke anymore dave Chappelle God. has gotten attacked by this person who was the showrunner for this shitty garbage woke, cringe horrible canceled show called dear white people which was ugh. and the person i don't even know black people who watch that fucking show i don't know probably woke people on twitter <laughs> woke white people watch it yeah i know even even some of the bloke woke black people that i like back when i was like more into the po- 
political well, stuff. Well, black people have better taste than that. Like, they yeah, don't watch they didn't shit. watch that shit. But it's it's white people watching this shit. Yeah. But the showrunner is this self-flagellating white this, people. This showrunner is like this trans woman who is like a. A Karen. She's like a woke Karen. She looks like a fucking Karen. She acts a- like a fucking and Karen. And she's attacking Chappelle and losing so her I'm fucking... I'm boycotting Netflix. I'm like, well, they canceled your show, I'm like, bitch. why is a white person... Show running. A show about wokeness, about about black people. That's, that's something wrong right there. Well, and also come to find out that the person who started this whole woke movement is an anti-vaxxer, so... Hmm? Oh, Black Lives Matter. Oh, yeah. Which is sad. That's sad. Because we support That's black an important Lives movement. We do. We it's support. like the Me Too movement getting hijacked by women who are. I always knew it. the Me Too Sucks. movement was going to go downhill somewhere. I always knew that was destined to be. Crap. Yeah, you know why? Because bitches. Bitches is why. And also, it's a witch hunt. It's a moral panic. Yeah. You know, and I'm but against. Bitches. I'm against sexual assault, guys. Don't see me saying I'm a misogynist. I'm not. I'm against sexual assault. It's just I don't like moral panics. That's why we don't like the satanic panic. It's a moral panic. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean the the. The abortion bans are. We have panics. one lovely question left from Anne Siskin, and she writes very articulately. Stephanie is dumb and ugly. <laughs> Michael should dump her and fuck me. <laughs> I are you okay over there? I'm a real witch, not a phony, not a phony doing cosplay. So what? What do we think about this? Are you a phony doing cosplay? I drink your tears and put them into my next cup of tea. And Siskin is... Mm. Anne, what is wrong with you? Seriously, <laughs> what the fuck, man? Are you one of these sickos that's been... Nobody te- cares. Anne is one of these sickos that's been telling me to talk about serial killers. Nobody cares, Anne. And then I talk about conspiracies, and they're like, you're a fucking crazy. And then I talk about monsters, like, it's fucking crazy. <laughs> it's like, what do you want me to talk about? Our sex life? I'm not doing that. Ew. No, you don't get to know. Talk about video games. Talk about Star Wars. Then you'll really get fucking pissed. Because <laughs> talking about Star Wars pisses everybody off. They just get all fucking mad. Just like what you like and shut the fuck up. <laughs> That's all it is. <laughs> so next week, uh, we're going to talk about axe murders. I'm excited about this because it's, it's, I don't know. I'm just saying. It's some, gory and gross. And, and it's mirrors. <laughs> mirrors. <laughs> yeah. You're gonna. It's gonna blow your fucking mind. This idea. It it is so Michael. It is. I'm more excited about this than I am like the next five cases combined. It's just. It's so my alley. I can't wait to visit Stull. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Are you gonna, are you the gonna, portal to hell. Are you gonna open it up since you're a fucking witch? No, yeah. No. I'm gonna. I'm gonna chant some rhymes and verses over. A phony witch. You're a phony cosplay witch like the Scarlet Witch. What you know? What this is why I've never really gotten into Wicca or witchcraft because of again I don't deal with dogma. So I've always been a fucking solitary uh, practitioner of all things. This chick is dressed spirituality. Up. This chick is probably a cosplayer of the Scarlet Witch, yeah. and she's like, I'm a Marvel fan. And- yeah, I just look. Do what brings you spiritual enlightenment. It doesn't matter what anyone fucking thinks of you. How you do it, there is no wrong or right. She's probably way. a two bagger. You're gonna have people. <laughs> <laughs> she's a two bagger. <laughs> Do you want to explain what a two-bagger is, Stephanie, since I'm the misogynist here? He means uh, it doesn't just take one paper bag. It takes two paper bags over that face. Yeah. To fuck you. Yep. Two-bagger. I didn't say it. That would get you canceled. I've been canceled. (laughs) God, I started talking about race and IQ. That's 
That's like a. I, if I said that, all, if I tweeted this, I you know, I would instantly die. Twitter is devoid of all. They would have wants. me banned. <laughs> they would have me banned just on my like what I'm saying about. If I like, tweet, let's study DNA. Yeah, they had me banned. Now yeah. I want to be. I want to be clear before we leave here. <laughs> I am not one of those people that thinks black people are intellectually in fear oh god no so don't start that shit don't say that dude eddie claw was like way smarter phrenology is a pseudoscience yeah yeah there's also that we're going to talk about this the science of thinking you can determine somebody's uh, moral character by their facial structure yeah they used to think this weird shit yeah they used to think it's like, ty- it's tailored to werewolves and lycanthropy and mm-hmm, that's but it's why- tailored to they hate people who aren't white or well, maybe dumb yeah or mentally disabled or maybe people um, I don't mean dumb like they're disabled. I just mean people they don't like. <laughs> they were two baggers. <laughs> or people who were maybe, um, or what were they called? Or they were they were born of syphilis children. Yeah, and those unfortunate. Grace kids. Randolph's a three bagger. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> next week, axe murders. Be here. Listen to me, jizz all over this. Axe murder. And before we fest. go, if you have managed to make it through this horrific podcast and into the psycho land that we're in now, I want to thank you for coming along for the ride. Thank you for making Chris Knowles' podcast like last week so successful. We were happy with that. That was really exciting. That's gonna yeah. that's gonna help us in the future. Yeah. And if you would like to like and subscribe and tell people and share our little podcast that would help us out a lot. And you can find us at the spookies podcast at gmail.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at the same handles. And you can find me uh, at agent Bigfoot on Twitter. And that's where you can yell at me and call me a racist. You can find me on Instagram at spooky Michael and look at pictures of Stephanie with her blonde hair and then come back here and bitch at me and, (laughs) and then tell me, and then tell me you want to fuck me and you know, male and females tell me you want to fuck me. I'm a hot property, man. He is hot property. I am. You know, know. These people probably are four baggers, but whatever. <laughs> and if you would also like to follow me on my own social media accounts, I am Steffi Hell Yeah on Twitter and Stephanie Hell Yeah over on Instagram. Go stalk the bitch. <laughs> and I don't always post, and lately I've been posting my Halloween mugs because yep. I fucking love those things. They're going to stalk you, babe. Favorite thing to collect. They're going to stalk you. That's fine. Just don't be a dick. They're going to say, Michael's mine. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Okay. See see you guys next week. Bye-bye. Bye.